Welcome back to the Early Way In podcast. After a week off, we go to Paris for the first time. Cards loaded with some French fighters here who probably never thought they'd even get a chance to fight on their home soil. There was a ban until 2020 on MMA in France, and now we got France's own Cyril Gaon headlining the card, taking on Tai Tuivasa in what you know could be a number one contender fight. Definitely puts them you know close to a title shot. And in our co-main event, another highly anticipated potential number one contender fight with Marvin Vittori and uh, Robert Whitaker. Card seen a ton of changes, but we still got 12 fights on record, and I think there's some, some spots you and I really like to hit throughout this card. Before we get into it and everything, no week off to kind of digest what we witnessed just last uh, two weeks ago in Salt Lake City. Pound for pound, headshot, dead, you know? Welterweight title changes hands, and you and I profit a little bit off of it. Leon and Tibera kind of basically helped our nights out a ton. And man, before we get everything started, go ahead and go through 278. Yeah, so we'll take a look at your card first. Your biggest play of the night was Amir Albazi, five units at minus 350. That hit, easy pro- one-and-a-half-unit profit right there. you got to take those spots when you can. Um, looking down, it's I think the under two-and-a-half for the Paulo Costa-Luke Rockhold has to be the most disappointing spot of the night. Um, plenty of opportunities for that fight to finish. Awful body language for Luke Rockhold, and uh, it just it just didn't happen. That's one of those variant swings that you just can't help. Um, and then the uh, Victor Altamoreno Daniel uh, De Silva fight under two and a half rounds minus one seventy five, great price tag for that fight to finish. Uh, you ended up plus point five four units on the night. Uh, definitely a good profitable night for how many props you and I both missed. And we'll move on to my card after that. Um, like you said, the Leon Edwards and Marcin Tibera that was the saver of both of our nights. Um, I put a unit on both of them and ended up. Uh, profiting pro- profiting three units on both of those guys it was the props that really got me into some trouble mm-hmm. i also kind of uh lost on the loop rocco paulo costa i had it under one and a half rounds and then um thankfully the the aldo versus mirab davishvili went to the scorecards right. and it nullified the bet um i thought aldo was the right side um, but that fight sucked, um, and, and I guess for what it's worth, I do think that Mirab won that fight. I ended up the night minus 1.01 units, and uh, definitely something that I can come back from. Looking forward to uh, getting back at it this week. In our main event, we have two heavyweights in Cyril Gaon versus Tai Tuivasa. Uh, it's crazy to think that only three years ago, Tai Tuivasa was you know cut from the UFC roster after suffering three losses in a row, and you know now he's on this incredible five-fight finish streak. And through kind of favorable matchups and creating all this hype with his post-fight antics and that that fan-friendly style, he's kind of found himself in a position where he is now fighting the upper echelon of the division and in one of the most talented guys in the division in Cyril Ghosn. Um, Ghosn, highly talented striker, does an amazing job at using that length and athleticism to keep the fight at range where he's most comfortable. And, um, you know, he's kind of adopted the same style as Israel Adesanya has in his past few title defenses, where he just simply has better footwork and better technique and doesn't really rely on that KO power. Um, I think that that's going to be very difficult for Ty Tuivasa. I, I, I have a hard time finding a path to victory for Ty. I don't think that he's he's going to be putting on the wrestling shoes like Francis Ngannou was able to last fight. Um, you know, and in a fight that I'm fairly certain is going to take place on the feet, you know, Cyril is much faster, longer, more technical. Um, and he's kind of made a career off of beating huge dudes with just a puncher's chance. 
Um, this will be the first five round fight that Tuivasa has ever had inside the octagon. He's only been to decision two times, seen the third round two times in his UFC career, and neither one of them were impressive to me. First one against Andre Arlovsky, where he's got a broke nose by the end of the third round, and then the other one with Blagoya Ivanov, where he's huffing and puffing, just can't keep his hands up. It just It's, it's not a good look. Um, similar to Derek Lewis, I do think that Tuavasa lacks the striking skills to cut off the cage um, where Gon's going to be circling off. And I, I think it's only a matter of time before Gon, you know, lands that shot over 25 minutes. I think the level of experience, technique, and patience that Gon has shown through his career, um, he's going to be setting up these traps for the entire fight with feints, and Tuavasa is going to get mm-hmm. sloppy. I do think it's only a matter of time before Gon finds that kill shot. Yeah, you and I are on the same page here, and it. Kind of sucks to agree here because we both like Tuivasa. Chewie's in the intro and everything, right. but uh, there's a significant skill gap here. We both have to agree there. You talked about the footwork, his Muay Thai, uh, just fight IQ in general. You don't see the guy putting himself in danger, does a really good job of sticking on the outside with his jab and his kicks, and he just makes his opponents choose. You're going to close the distance on him and just get outstruck by the more talented, faster heavyweight, or you're going to stay out at range and point fight him in a fight that you're going to lose over 25 minutes. He's a real tricky opponent. Um, you tell in the five-round experience that he has, much better gas tank, and his fight IQ, man, his coaching, I'm not going to be so shocked if he actually comes out here and mixes in a couple takedowns on Tai Tuivasa. We're talking about a guy who's got you know leg lock submissions. Tuivasa has shown time and time again in the spitback fight and stuff, he's a fish out of water on his back. Derek Lewis was out there landing trip takedowns on him, and he's a very one-dimensional fighter who really has to have the right dance partner to look good and be successful. And when you look at who he's fought lately, it, it, I'm not going to say that Gond's you know, resume is just all the, the best, but we're talking guys like Ro- Rosenstroik, Volkov, you know, things of that nature. Let's look at who, you know, We'd like got on tied to Avasa's side since his return. It's Stefan Struve, one of the chinniest fighters in the division. Harry Hunsucker, who got cut last week. Uh, Greg Hardy, now cut. Augusto Sakai, like an L2 or 3 being knocked out. And, and then, you know, best win, Derek Lewis. Hunsucker and Derek Lewis were the only ones that were coming off of a win. And neither one of them have actually even aged well since that. Tai Tuivasa, like I said, can can land that bomb if he has the right dance partner. But if there's one heavyweight to me that I feel like it's the hardest heavyweight to land that one power punch on, it's going to be Cyril Gone um, as the answer every single time. So at minus 530, I don't know if I get there in a parlay, especially at heavyweight. I, I don't know where there's value with that. And I tried to even look at the 4-5 decision at plus money, but I also don't even know if, if Tuivasa is going to even get to round 4 or 5. So I think gone inside the distance sometimes um, throughout this fight is probably what you and I both think is going to happen. In our co-main event, we have Robert Whitaker taking on Marvin Vittori. A fight I'm sure neither one's going to complain about three being three rounds, but man, could headline a fight night, you know, easily be, um, be a headliner any other time. Both guys in particular here are a pretty tricky spot. You know, they're they're the number one, number two guys in the division um, fighting for a number one contender spot, you think, but they've also lost to the, the champion both twice now, putting them in a pretty tricky spot, and maybe the title does change hands next month, but you got to think Israel is going to get an immediate rematch if that happens, forcing these guys to take another fight in the division. It's just... I question where the motivation is for these guys to have to climb that ladder again, you know, to, to, to just fight these contenders over and over again. You know, Robert's literally done it multiple times now to get back to the, the title. And 
Still being only 30 years old, pretty shocking when you look at that, but it it almost seems kind of like the guy has got some fight miles and things that are starting to add up on him. You go back and watch his fights with Yoel, they're crazy, but you know he does hit the deck a couple times. He pulls out of those injuries and surgeries and the fights with Kelvin Gastelum. Then you see him get knocked down, knocked out by Israel. I think Till called him with the elbow on the inside and knocked him out. You knocked him down as well. It's just what I'm getting at is his durability is not what I see from Marvin Vittori by no means. But in terms of technicality, I think I think that's going to 100% favorite Robert Whitaker here. I think at range, he's a much more talented striker, much faster striker. You see him work behind the jab, the the good oblique kicks, and he sets up that really nice head kick, um, you know, off of his jab as well. I just I've never really seen Robert on his back. You know, his takedown defense has always held up pretty good, um, and never really just been. Like I said, held down, forced, and um, the game plan of Marvin, I don't think's going to be too big of an issue here for Rob. I think the footwork going to be able to keep him on the outside, and I feel like he's just going to be a step ahead of here, Vittori. But again, you got to go back to the fact that this is the number one of the number two ranked fighters in the division, and do you really want to lay minus two forty on one of these guys when you think it's actually even going to go the full you know distance? That's something I'm trying to get better on. So even though the pick's going to be Robert Whitaker, I can't get there on the money line. Um, I think that could play out a little bit closer than minus 245. Yeah, man. I think we're seeing this fight similar, but I'm attacking it a different way betting-wise. Um, like you said, kind of weird that both these are, that these guys are the co-main event. Yeah. They clearly have made it that they are the best out of the current champ in the division. Um, but like you said, it's kind of also hard for me to picture a way for any either one of these guys to win in a convincing fashion um, I look at the advantages Whitaker has in this matchup like you said better footwork crisper striking uh, probably an experience edge yeah. especially in you know high level fights and uh, likely the better traditional wrestling technique um, you know I look at the the better footwork and the clean striking I don't think that that's going to end a fight necessarily certainly not against the durability that Marvin Vittori shown up until this point and then I look at maybe the the wrestling and the experience edge that Whitaker has I also don't think that that's going to finish the fight if anything that's going to drag it out longer yeah. um, so you know the the advantages that I have for Whitaker none of that's finishing the fight I take a look at Vittori he has the durability the pressure He's stronger, bigger, and younger. Now, not younger by many time, by much, but like you kind of talked about, the fight miles is something that's definitely going to catch up to Robert Whitaker sooner or later. But I think about the uh, the durability and the youth. That's great for Marvin Vittori's defense, but it's certainly not going to win him a fight. Um, I look at the high pace and the strength advantage he have he might have over Whitaker, but you know I've seen Whitaker deal with much stronger, better wrestlers than Vittori in the past um, for over 25 minutes against Yoel Romero. So twice. I doubt twice. So I doubt that Vittori is going to break him in just this three round fight. Uh, I think it's a fair point to assume that this fight's going to see the judges 80 percent of the time, maybe a minus 400 clip. Um, so, you know, so now what you're, you're banking on this judging in France first time that we've ever been here uh, to interpret a high level chess match with cage control, effective striking versus volume striking and, and wrestling all being huge components and who should win this fight. And are you going to bank on them to make this right choice? I think it's a clear dogger pass here or possibly even Vittori by decision. Um, 
you know, it, it just is what it is. You, you got to take it for what it's worth. Judging is, is faulty. And I do think that there's not a world where I see Vittori getting flatlined here. Right. I think he's going to make it a close competitive fight. And, and something else to consider is Vittori, I know, comes in fight night over 210 pounds. I think he's going to have a significant size advantage that we're not seeing on paper, but that we will see in the face-offs. Um, you know, I've seen that that Whitaker walks around at 215 pounds, and I might agree on that. I just don't think at fight week that he's walking around much more than 200, mm-hmm. 205, maybe. So I do think Vittori's going to have a, a much bigger size advantage than people are seeing on paper. For my fight of the night, I chose Charles Jourdain versus Nathaniel Wood. Um, for Jourdain, I feel like this is an awfully quick turnaround for a guy who just went 15 minutes yeah. with Shane Burgos. Uh, to his credit, he avoided most of the damage. Um opponents usually receive after facing Shane Burgos. Um, Wood, he's made this transition to 145 pounds, and after his featherweight debut against Charles Rosa, I think I'm on board with the move, man. You know, he showed excellent cardio and his striking, and, you know, it seems that that move up could have been the answer to the cardio issues he's had in the past at Bantamweight. I think Wood's biggest obstacle going up into this division is definitely going to be a size at only five foot six he's likely always going to be giving up a few inches in height or reach to his opponent and you know that has to be factored in when breaking down his fights i've never really questioned jordan's heart in any of his fights but i've often questioned his skill level Um, he's extremely hittable and i feel like having a style that relies on your heart to to pull out a win just isn't a style meant for long-term success Um, Jordan, he's going to have a significant size advantage here, which will help him deal with uh, the inevitable shots to the face he's going to take from Nathaniel Wood. But I do have a feeling both guys will be willing to trade with each other often. Um, In scramble situations where they do link up, um, I think that Wood is the bigger threat. Um, He's like a backpack with the rear naked choke, and, you know, that is his go-to. And after just seeing Jordan deal with Burgos, um, having over five minutes of back control time in their last fight, I think it is something that you have to consider. Um, On that same token, Nathaniel Wood has also shown the ability to kind of give himself up in situations and allow for submissions to get sunk in. And so... That is why I've chosen this fight as my fight of the night is because I think it's just guaranteed violence and two guys with the gas tanks to make it entertaining for as long as one of them can stand up. Um, so I, I think that this is a great fight of the night and one that I do see a finish in. Yeah, for, in, for as much violence as I, I agree that I think is going to be here, doesn't go the distance under two and a half, I think is even plus money or even mm-hmm. a really good line. Um, when I go back and watch that fight with Shane Burgos, shame on me for laying minus 200 on Shane Burgos and... You know, I cashed a ticket, but, I mean, Jordan, you know, another set of judges that night. Jordan, he walks away with a win or or at least a draw there. I thought he was going to be the one to break under the size, under the pressure, and it was literally the exact opposite. He comes out with a much better gas tank than I had seen before. The dude was landing incredible shots in the clinch, nasty cage work in round three. Shots that I really do think would get Nathaniel Wood out of here if they're landing on him, and Burgos is a massive, massive featherweight, and when I watched that fight, it really looked like size was one of the issues that he struggled with, and not so much it was a technical issue, more of, I thought Burgos just looked a whole lot stronger than he did, and with Wood, you're right, man, you know, second fight up at featherweight, it looks to be a good move, you see those pictures of him at Bantamweight with every vein and stuff sticking out of him, it definitely looked like a tough weight cut, but a minus 600, and one of your most, you know, that's one of the most favorable matchups and generous matchups in the featherweight division right now. And Charles Rosa, I don't know how much I personally can take from it. I, 
I feel like Jordan here, the X55 or at TKO, even debuting at 55 here in the UFC, I think that size and that pressure is going to be an issue for Wood down the stretch. And the forward pressure, you know, Nathaniel Wood, is he's going to want to try to keep his range and use his kicks. I think the forward pressure of Jordan will try to negate a whole lot of those. And when you put a wrestler on the back foot, you see the shots a whole lot easier as well. I just... I told you earlier, sometimes you just kind of have that gut feeling about how a fight's going to end, you know, and I watched Nathaniel Wood leave his neck out, get caught in Dar's choke against Charles Rosa, and I watched how quick, you know, um, Charles Jordan was to, to snatch up the neck of Lando um, Venata, and mm-hmm. to me, I, I just, I think that's how this fight's going to end, you know, I think we're going to see a Jordan by submission cash, you know, your violence bet that you're talking about, but... I did get on the Jordan money line at minus 144. I actually kind of agree with the opener, man. I think he's more around a 67% here. I think he wins it about every, you know, two, every three times here. And so I thought minus 200 was actually an appropriate opener. And so to get minus 144, I'm happy on it, but excellent fight to pick. For my fight of the night, I'm going to go with Nasruddin Mavov taking on Joaquin Buckley. This fight card, the order of it has just changed around so many times and I think I saw it on the prelims and the last time I saw a tweet out there, but it is an absolute shame if this is not on the main card. You know, it's going to be an absolute killer fight. Uh, both guys push a great pace and finish a whole lot of their fights. And Buckley almost needs no introduction. You know, that highlight over Impa is just going to be played for years and years to come. And to me, eh, he is just a knockout or bust fighter who is undersized in his weight class you know you, you really saw him try to implement a wrestling game plan against Al Hassan and around three it's it's him stuck on bottom it's him gassed and stuff you know and granted the Albert Dariah fight last time you know we were we we're big on Albert to win that fight and Buckley did look good he looked a whole lot more patient he was willing to just kind of stay behind his power and not overextend to end up on his you know to end up on his back and he, he got a doctor stoppage win there but I feel like if Buckley stays behind his, his jab and, and plays that striking game with any of these other middleweights, especially Mavov, he's not going to have the same success here. Um, in this particular matchup, I really just I, I actually struggle to, to figure out where Buckley is better. I think Mavov has all the physical you know advantages, technically size advantage is going to be a big factor here. And you see Buckley get stuck behind these long rangey fighters a lot, like Kevin Holland, Di Chirico. You saw him struggle with Antonio Arroyo as well. And, um, I just think he gets frustrated at range if he's not able to land his shots and he starts trying to close distance, you know, real sloppy. Um, and I, he's been knocked out in three of his four losses. The only loss he's not knocked out in is Logan Storley, who's a D1 wrestler and doesn't finish anybody. And so I really do think he's going to get reckless and knocked out by a Mavov. I lost my parlay piece with a Mavov, so I've just got him on 1.25 units straight at minus 225, which is a good line. And I thought fight ends by TKO here at only minus 110 was also a line that holds some value. So violence all the way here. I think Mobob's going to get the finish, though. My fighter to watch is Khalid Taha. He is under 30 years old and technically won 3-1 in the UFC. Awful look on paper, but I'll be the first to say I think he's had an extremely tough road in the yeah. UFC so far. Uh, debut lost to Nad Naramani. I can forgive it. Um, then he gets that first round KO over Boston Salmon, and that just gives you a little bit of a taste, man. Um, and then he gets that win over Bruno Silva, who also kind of has a bad uh, bad look on paper, but I know me and you both kind of hold yeah. him in high regards. He's under Henry Cejudo. Yeah. Outside of size, Bruno Silva is a solid fighter, and to get a win over him, I think that that says a ton. 
Now, it did end up getting uh, switched over to a no, no contest. He tested positive for some PEDs, and I think the UFC punished him for that. You know, I think he came back. They gave him Raoni Barcelos and then Sergey Morozov, both extremely tough fights, and both of which I think would have a field day against uh, Christian Quinones. Yeah. Um, I think that he's learned his lesson, and the UFC is now giving him the opportunity to show that he belongs in the UFC. Taha, like I said, under 30 years old, extremely young, and has shown amazing toughness throughout his UFC career and glimpses of greatness inside of that. I think it's a perfect buy-low spot for someone uh, who has proven that he can get wins at the UFC level and uh, hang in there with even the upper echelon of of, of that division. If he fumbles this bag uh, right here in this position, I do think it's a, a good chance that the UFC cuts him, which is why he is my fighter to watch. I think he's got a lot, lot on the line right here. Yeah, and he is a, he's an excellent fighter to keep your eye on because you talked about the talent that he, he's been in the cage with, and I see a lot of love for Christian. Um, you know, and it's bringing the line down a lot. And what less than a week ago, Christian wasn't flying out to Paris to fight. You know, right. and so. You know, I think Taha very well could be in a spot to, to make a splash and get back on track here. Uh, for me, Abusupian uh, Magomedov. Got to talk about Magomedov. You know, it's been almost a two-year wait for this guy to try to get into the UFC, and he lost his original opponent. We got Dustin Stolzfus stepping up on short notice to fight him, and I, I don't like the matchup for Stolzfus in, in, at all, really. When I look at where this fight could take place, um, I think every advantage I see lies toward a boost. Um, in terms of striking, Stolzfus can't hold a torch to this guy, really. It's the Muay Thai counter-striking. It's just on a completely different level. You see a boost just throwing nasty body kicks. And he loves to dig to the body, um, tear you down late. And, of course, being a Magomed, the guy grew up in Dagestan, you see him wrestling a little bit as well. And that's how Dustin has any success in his fights is by wrestling. And when you take that away from him, you take away his main path to victory, and I, like again, I, I just don't like it. And let's look at a Magomedov last name who owns a eighty-one percent, you know, win rate uh, in MMA as well. So if you just want to look at the name alone, there's some straight up value there. I, I I think this is a matchup for him to shine. The only little red flag you have on him that you're kind of worried about is that layoff. But then you look at Stolzfus really stepping up on short notice as well, and he almost kind of evens things out here. I favor a boost everywhere. I think the UFC put him in a good spot to win. For my underdog of the night, I'm taking Marvin Vittori. Kind of laid out when I first broke down the fight how I see it. it's going to win. I just see this fight going to the judges. I think Marvin Vittori, um, he's going to make the fight close, and you're getting almost 2-1 to one underdog odds on him. Uh, I just think it's a no-brainer in a fight that that's going to be competitive. It's the number one and number two guy in the division. Um, they're both young, but I, I do think at some point Vittori will surpass Robert Whitaker in their in their MMA career. It's just a matter of when that's going to happen, and I do think it's just going to be by a hair anytime that it change right. that they change who's better at the time. Um, so value wise, I do think that my underdog of the week, Marvin Vittori, is a good pick. Money line wise, man, I'll be honest with you, I can't hate it. You know, I talked about it. Leon and Kamaru Usman, whether it's 50 seconds left in the fight or not, you've got two very, very high-level fighters. You know, Peter Yan, Aljamain Sterling, two very, very high-level fighters, two of the best in the division. One never really should be a minus 250 favorite, you know. Um, my underdog, another guy that I don't know if I technically get to the window on, but I see a ton of value on is Ferocium this week at plus 152. 
guy we just can't ever get on the right side of, you know. We tried to fade him twice with Luigi and Malarkey, despite maybe thinking we should have won and got a draw. Mm -hmm. We we lost both of them, and then that gave us enough to stay off of Terrence McKinney at almost pick'ems, and he goes out there and finishes him in round one. It's just ZM's been a tricky guy for us, but again, it's it's a hard sell for me to, to not think there's some value on him this week. Uh, they UFC... I think they technically did let him go. Maybe it was just some contract disputes, but they brought him back and they put him in his home country of France. You know, they're giving him a winnable fight here, taking on Michael Figlak. He's an undefeated newcomer from Cage Warriors. You know, you look at him, the guy looks to be a decent striker, a decent wrestler. He's gone the distance multiple times, so you don't question the cardio. But I do question the experience. You know, he's not fighting in the UFC. He doesn't have four UFC fights here. I think Ferozium is just growing as a fighter here, and he's clearly the better kickboxer at range. He's a guy that you almost have to wrestle because if you're going to strike with him, he's hard to hit. He makes it too close. He weasels his way out of them into decision wins. So, you know, I just a debutante in Figlak minus two hundred. I don't I don't see potential right to cover that price tag there. So Zim at plus one fifty two potential live underdog come Saturday. All right, so for my prop of the night, I will be taking Gone Inside the Distance. <clears throat> it's heavyweights. Yeah. Uh, I think that Tai Tuivasa is very hittable. He doesn't do a great job of disguising his entries, and this is a fight where he has to get on the inside of Gone's range to be effective. I think that over the course of 25 minutes, Gone is going to pick up the reads, get the timing, and land a flush counter strike that knocks out Tuivasa or wobbles him. And then I think it'll be Gunn's decision on how he wants to finish the fight. But I do think that that opportunity will present itself multiple times over 25 minutes. So Gone inside the distance, minus 150 is my prop to watch. I'm gonna, I've already got Gone by submission at plus 420 tracked. Probably going to be telling you on inside the distance as well at minus 150. That's a... 60% clip and I think I think that's more like 70 you know I think you're getting a 10% edge on that man you got 25 minutes to finish a guy that I don't even think can go 25 minutes so good bet man I'm gonna go Whitaker by decision for my prop not as juicy as your Marvin Vittori but it is taking your minus 250 that I think is gonna win and I did get plus 100 on it the guy's not had a finish since 2017 and Marvin Vittori has never been finished and never even been knocked down once so I don't think the finish is coming for Robert Whitaker here. If there is a finish, I think it's the durability of um, Whitaker finally catching up to himself. You also look at fight doesn't go the distance, which is minus 220. So I think that's also a much smarter play, Whitaker by decision at plus 100, than to go to that money line at minus 250. To me, he, he's shown that he's, you know, this will be a new matchup for him, but he's shown me that he can beat the Tills, the Gastelums, the Cannoneers. Like, he's proven to me outside of Izzy, he's, potentially the second best middleweight on the planet. I think he's just a little bit too quick, a little bit too uh, technical for Marvin. Um, he's shown elite takedown uh, take defense. And again, you talked about the tricky judging and things in France. I don't know which one they're going to score more. And that's why I, I posed to just a, a one-unit shot here on this decision prop versus laying heavy on the money line. My best bet of the night is actually one that I am sitting on uh, as the line continues to go into my favor. It's Khalid Taha money line. I think that this is a perfect buy low spot. Taha's had a really rough go in his UFC career, and I don't think that the uh, the paper is really showing the full story. 
Um, I think he's somebody with excellent potential, still under 30 years old. And um, this guy that he's facing, Christian Quinones, I don't think that he's um, somebody that the UFC is necessarily bringing over to this France card to, to set up for um, a huge debut. Um, I do think that this is them gifting Khalid Taha a winnable fight. And the fact that he's lost his last two make it really easy for the public to bet against him. Right. Um, so so right now, sitting on that, waiting for Taha to get much better, but I think that there's so much value, even at his current price tag, minus 111 on bet online right now. Um, so that's some, that's a spot that I'm definitely going to be playing as, as uh, one of the bigger plays on my card. Nice, man. I dig it. Um, I think I picked a buy low spot for one of my fighters as well. Uh, picking Nasrid Hack Press, I got him at minus 188, which on the same book is like minus 230 right now. So it's nice to have some closing line value on your best bet, 2.5 units on him. And I cap him at minus 230 here. I think he's about 70% in this fight. Um, like I said, I think it's a perfect buy low spot here under at minus 188 for a guy who's lost two fights in a row. He got out volume by Bobby Green. I mean, so be it, man. Bobby Green's going to do that to almost everybody outside the top 15. You see him going toe-to-toe with Vaziev, still in the round three, throwing volume like crazy. And then you get out-wrestled by Dan Hooker in a fight where both of these guys were extremely ill-prepared. You know, you saw Dan Hooker fly in over on like a week notice and still make weight. Nazareth loses his mom on fight week and still decides to fight. It, it was not um, a Dan... It, it was definitely not the like best Dan, or Nazareth hack press in the cage that night here. Um, when I look at McDessey, dude, it's the exact opposite of Bobby Green. He throws no volume. His exact opposite approach of Dan Hooker in that fight. He's not landed any takedowns in his entire 19 UFC fight career. And 19 fights in the UFC, a decade there, it is impressive, but not a single guy he's ever beaten still holds a roster spot whatsoever. Nazareth's going to be a decade younger here. Um, I think that's another angle to attack that's also profitable long term. I think he's going to be the faster of the two. Ton of physical advantages on the you know, with the forward pressure. McDessey coming back, being inactive for, I think, a year and a half now. Um, he tore his hamstring completely off the bone, required surgery for that. And, you know, Nazareth has typically been a decision fighter lately with only one finish in the UFC. And McDessey, historically, he has been a, you know, he's been a pretty durable guy. So I hate to say that I could sweat my best bet to a decision, but I think Nazareth has potential to take this one on a very high clip. Moving on to our quick pick section of the podcast, we start off in the women's featherweight division with Aylin Perez taking on Stephanie Egger. Short turnaround for Egger. Yeah. I don't like the price tag, but I do think that she's going to win here. Yeah, Perez had the grappling advantage over Zyron Farron. She was a big favorite. Now she completely got that negated. I think I'm on the Stephanie Egger side, but you'll never catch me laying that kind of price tag. Khalid Taha versus Christian Quinones. I haven't put my due diligence into this fight like I think you have, but I'll go with you, man. Taha to upset the newcomer. Yeah, Taha's my best bet. I'm, I'm thinking he gets this done. Um, our first Frenchman on the card, Benoit Saint-Denis, taking on Gabrielle Miranda. Uh, I don't think that it's a coincidence that Benoit Saint-Denis on this card. Right. I think they're kind of setting him up for a win here, and uh, I'm definitely going to be going with Benoit here. Yeah, I think this is actually a good spot for violence. I think this fight finishes inside the distance at a good clip, and I was showing you Miranda on Tapology Has some has some fraudulent-looking records. Yeah, I think I think Denis gets him out of there. Nasruddin Amava versus Buckley. They have this down at the what fourth fight. Surely it doesn't stay there. This needs to be a this needs to be a main card. I think Nasruddin Amava I think he gets Joaquin Buckley out of there by TKO. 
Yeah, I'm going to also go with Nasruddin Amavov. I think he has more paths to victory. I'd like to see him grapple. Um, moving on to the lightweight division, Faraz Ziem versus Mikhail Figlak. Man, uh, like you said, we can't get on the right side of Faraz Ziem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laying off this fight completely. I'm going to go with the newcomer, Mikhail Figlak, um, from Cage Warriors from Poland, 8-0. I think that this could be kind of a spot where the UFC is showcasing a new prospect. Or it could be the fact that they're giving Frost Zim a chance in his hometown to get back on track. I think it's a fight that you completely should stay away from as well. Frost seems to always weasel out something to plus 150. I'll I'll take a dog or pass situation there. Dustin Stolzfus at 185 pounds taking on a boost Magomedov. I, I honestly don't like the matchup for Stolzfus at all. I think his grappling's negated. I think he's superbly outclassed on the feet. A boost for the TKO. I've been telling you it's a weird feeling. I just feel like it's a pretty pretty good price tag for Imago Medov. A lot of people are going to be putting him in his parlays, in their parlays. I do think that he's the better fighter here, and he should get the win. So I'm going to go with Imago Medov, but I'm personally kind of steering clear from that fight just as a debutante. Uh, moving on to the featherweight division, Charles Ayer Jordan versus Nathaniel Wood. I think that this is going to be violence. Um, I think that Jordan being the bigger guy, he's going to – wind up coming out on top more likely than not i'm with you man i like jordan to win here his fight's kicking off the main card for a reason it's, it's gonna be a good one mm-hmm. william gomez taking on gerardo Irens, a fight that i haven't even looked at to be honest with you i see one guy a massive favorite both debutantes but it is moved up to the main card as well so i think they're they're trying to put their frenchman in into shine i think he's probably gonna i think william gomez wins it's out of the distance i got the same line of thought not enough due diligence on this fight to give a legit pick but william gomez seems to be the one that they're trying to showcase here uh, I'll, I'll pick him to win uh, moving on to the lightweight division nasrat hack Paras taking on john mcdessey I think Hack Paras could win this very easily, especially if he can find his way onto the mat. Um, if he stands to strike with McDessie, though, McDessie is a veteran who's made his, his, his career off of striking. I'm going to go with Hack Paras here. Yeah, I'm with you, Hack Paras. He's my best bet. Uh, 2.5 units on him. Moving on up, Alessio DiCirico versus Roman Kopilov. Man, you know, when I see DiCirico as a favorite, it's just a it's an instant not no play for me, and I don't even know why he's this fire up on the main card but as an italian you know fighting over there close to france i think i'm gonna pick him i think i'm gonna pick him to win by decision yeah this this one has disappointment written all <laughs> over it man i'll uh, i'll go with you i think d Sharico is is kind of being set up here uh, so i'll pick him to win moving on to the co-main event robert whitaker versus marvin vittori uh, this is my first true underdog i'm taking marvin vittori i think is uh, is going to get it done so i am going to be on the other side with you and take robert Almost said the weeper <laughs> you used to call him. Take Robert Whitaker to win here, man. Uh, and then in the main event, Cyril Gaon taking on Ty Tuivasa. Again, I think there's significant skill gap. And I like the hometown Frenchman inside the distance. Yeah, we see that fight the same way. I think Cyril Gaon's got Tuivasa covered and just, just about everywhere. Yeah. Guards taking some hits, you know, but still with 12 fights here. Weigh-ins on Friday. Fights, I think, actually prelims start at noon Eastern time for us, so... I love some early fights on Saturday. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. See you next week. Peace.